Welcome to the Infernal Schoolhouse Podcast. This is episode four. My name is Brian. My name is Aaron. And this week we're going to be talking about the challenges that we face as dungeon masters or game masters. Indeed. Thank you for that introduction. And I think that one of the biggest parts of the game is finding not only the right game master, but the game master feels passionate and then still stays invested in what you're doing. Yeah, and specifically the challenges as a game master in being able to find that place. And I think, you know, for me, when I think about this topic to kind of kick it off, it's all about expectations versus reality. Agreed. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of setting any sort of gaming environment where you actually set out the rules, set out the understanding of what we're doing. And for today's episode, we are also bringing in a, a special guest. That way we can talk with them about their experiences as a game master as well. Special guest. <laughs> so I think let's just start us off between the two of us. You know, what is, kind of give me your run through, I think a little bit about your game mastering experience and what you ran. Yeah. So when I started, I spent too long in my head about it and not enough time getting into it. Mm -hmm. And so what happens here is for myself specifically, I created a ton of expectations. Right. One of the first things that I thought about was maps. Mm -hmm. I want my maps to blow my players' minds every single session. And our dear listeners who've played before may be able to figure out the problem with that, which is you don't know where the players are always going to (laughs) go. Absolutely. And so these are like famous stories, legendary stories of being a game master where, you you know, as, as the GM, you're like, okay, great. We're going to Waterdeep next week. Exactly. And then, and then, and the players agree. And then guess what? Right in the middle of it, they're like, no, actually, let's go back to that little hut in the woods that was mentioned in episode three. And you're like, what? (laughs) Okay, let's take a five-minute break, and then you panic, and you're trying to figure it out. Absolutely, and this reminds me of the concept of this sort of, I don't remember what the term is for it, maybe invisible railroad that you use. So we have railroading as a dungeon master or game master, which is where we want to lead the players to where we want them, and it's very obvious. But the invisible one is where they say we want to go to the hut. And they still end up wherever you want to lead them anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so I talked about previously running Lost Mine of Fandelver. Right. And I made a map basically for each encounter. Mm-hmm. And so it, the, the, the way the module's written, it's a sandbox, right? They, they can kind of go wherever they want. Cragmaw Castle was a pretty big map. And I'd been working on it, but it wasn't ready. And so my players were just absolutely not allowed and it was never going to happen that they're going to go to Cragmont Castle because I just didn't have the map ready yet. <laughs> right. So I put, I would put any monster, I would put, I would have put 500 giants between them and Cragmont Castle because there was no castle yet. Right. And I would say for myself, and I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but I think my greatest challenge has been around Curse of Strahd, which is, I think, the penultimate game for either a player or a game master where you're trying to understand how do I run this or how do I play this? And it's a very challenging emotional game where you're doing a lot of stuff. And I remember through the slog of this game, which ended up lasting almost two years of almost getting to the point of nearly having an anxiety attack on the day of gaming and understanding, am I where I need to be? Do I know enough about what the players are doing? Do I need to reread things? Like, how am I dealing with this? And then it just took those moments of, I'm just going to sit down and do it. And if it's too much, I'll walk away. And 
that's what I think about a lot when I talk about any sort of dungeon master challenges of understanding how do I keep this game going with me still invested in it. Yeah, and I think so. A couple of things we we've talked about Curse of Strahd mm-hmm. and just how intense that is. And I I think I've already told this story, but I did have a, a DM that had a pretty close to a nervous breakdown in right. the middle of maybe even the first third of Curse of Strahd <laughs> and just gave up. And I think just sort of quit D and D for an extended period of for time. For sure. The second one is what you just said, which is the magic moment, which is just doing it anyway. Right. And I think we, the place that we break down is when we don't do it mm-hmm. or we procrastinate on doing right. it. And then it becomes this mountain that is almost impossible to overcome. Right. Whereas if you're like, hey, I'm actually just going to run with it. And I think there's some really cool moments to be had when you're actually just winging it and you create a magical moment for your players at your table. Yeah. And you couldn't have, it was impossible to have designed that moment because it was entirely predicated on what your players were doing. Exactly. Yeah. And I would say if anybody's listening to this and they're either a new game master or they're thinking about doing it, the best thing you can do is what we just said is to just do it and just see where it goes. Because otherwise, if you say, I need to take a break, that game is going to go live on a farm upstate with your dog, Rover. (laughs) I agree 100%. And yeah, this actually feels like a pretty good time to kind of turn the corner a little bit Mm -hmm. and bring in our special guest star. Indeed. To talk about the mental health component, I guess, of this. But rather than bring in a psychologist or a psychiatrist... The, I don't know the difference between those two. What well, we one gives you drugs. That's an important yeah. difference. But what I thought we would do was that we would actually bring in a, a dungeon master who's actually really grappled with this issue mm-hmm. and just kind of ask him some questions about it. Yeah. So we're going to bring in Toby. Hi, Toby. Hello. How's it going? Very great. So we want to maybe ask you some questions to get understanding about yourself and then kind of how you got into gaming. So just tell me, what is the first ever role-playing game you ever played? Yeah, I mean, really, the first time was with Ryan's campaign in 2020. It was over the, you know, during the pandemic. And it was honestly just a thing of I was at home alone and kind of just cooped up. And Brian hit me up and said, Hey, you want to play D&D? And I thought, well, this is a good excuse not to drink alone. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, no, no, it was. It was good. It was good. And uh, instantly hooked, you know, started off with just a pre-made character, made in my own, um, really enjoyed the storytelling aspect of it and being able to kind of bring my own personality into this character. And so just starting off, just getting to delve into this world that was outside of the pandemic. You all right. talked about escapism and all of that. And it really was that for me. And literally from the first day I, you know, hacked the knees out from a goblin. I'm like, yeah, this is for me. This is definitely what I want to do with my time. I do remember that moment. It was goblin arrows. It's the first ambush on the first day. And Toby, you know, everyone's sort of like, there's a, there's a captive goblin and everyone's sort of fussing about what to do. And Toby's like, I cut their legs off. <laughs> nice. I would say, thinking about this, is that COVID is responsible for both biological babies and RPG babies. Absolutely. Well, well said. <laughs> so, from there, you've gotten your taste of Fandelver and cutting off goblin legs. How did you transition into being a dungeon master? Well, it's something that I've always been a storyteller. I'm a teacher as well. I teach high school and 
part, a big part of that I look at as, as being a storyteller. And, and as soon as Brian was going through, and now to be fair, Brian made it feel pretty effortless. So I thought, yeah, I got this. I can do this. But I knew I wanted to do that. I knew I wanted to guide the journey. I wanted to tell the story with my Mm -hmm. players. And that was really what got me into that. And so I, I certainly started off, I did a, a, "Quote unquote one shot, right? That ended up being what was the four or five shot? I think by the time we were done, <laughs> turns out combat isn't quite as fluid as I thought it was going to be, right? But yeah, so but that's what got me hooked into it. Was like I'm telling this story, and I had this pre-made campaign I bought on a website mm-hmm. uh, and had a blast with it. It was a lot of fun. It was a one shot, quote unquote, and and so. I, I think that I kind of got a little false sense of confidence there. Right. Because I was ready to go. I was ready to DM. I knew I wanted to tell the story. I do remember you saying, I want to run Strahd. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, this was before my other DM had had that breakdown. But I remember looking Toby straight in the eye and being like, love you, man. You're not ready. Well, that's the thing that's difficult about one shots that people don't realize is that they think it's an entry-level DM sort of thing, and it's not, actually. It's almost as challenging as running Shrod, where you have this very linear story to tell. And then if somebody says, I don't want to do that, then how do you bring them back into it? How do you riff off of that? Yeah, I mean, you were talking about railroading and that kind of thing, and in that one shot, I don't remember. I remember there was a swamp involved, and I you know came up with a couple fun voices, but but I didn't know quite what I was getting into. And so I was railroading the heck out of that one. My very first time, I was like, no, you're going to the swamp. That's where we're going. Right. I don't care what you say. For days, you railroaded us in the swamp during that one shot. Literally days. It was. It was supposed to be a four-hour campaign, I think. It ended up being eight or nine over the course of time. So so let me ask you, Toby, what is your favorite part that you realize after doing it of being a game master? Again, I think it's it's really telling the story, mm-hmm. and I, again, that's, that's my favorite part of it. Like, the, there's the mechanics and all of that, and honestly, that's the part that trips me up. As being brand new into D and D just a few years ago, right. and jumping right into DMing, it was really I wanted to tell the story, but I knew there had to be combat. I knew that you talked about the three pillars last week. I knew there would there needed to be combat. I needed I knew there needed to be role playing mm-hmm. and all of that. And so, trying to get all of that in there. Again, for the one shot, worked because I had my pre-made characters and I had all of that. But just the telling of the story is what I fell in love with. And building up uh, the backstories and the lore and all of that, I mm-hmm. love that side of it. And I spent a lot of time on that side of it and not enough time on the actual, you know, DMing side. Yeah, and uh, Toby, I remember you and I having these, like, amazing, almost euphoric, we call them jam sessions, where we, yeah. were, we were creating the lore for this world. And it was so fun and so amazing. But the paradox of D&D is your players don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care what God created what realm. Oh, yeah. They just want to find some gold. And so I remember re- us together really getting caught up in that vibe and it's super fun but almost weirdly not related to a session mm-hmm. or even potentially a campaign right. so i know a lot of dms that have that those stars in their eyes They're like oh my gosh when they finally figured out that the god of death is all they don't care they they literally don't care right exactly and i i think a lot of gaming and especially more tactical or wargaming when you're in combat whether it's in D or whether you're doing some sort of tabletop miniatures game 
you're kind of seasoning numbers, I would say, where you're actually, you have this very rigid set of rules and you're giving it some sort of flavor where it makes it work for you. So let me ask Toby, what is the part you dislike the most about being a game master? The pressure. Mm-hmm. Every week, and we were doing, so to backtrack just a tiny bit, the first campaign I took on was Storm King's Thunder. Mm. And a brilliant campaign. I mean, it's obviously, it's a very, you know, sandbox. You can go in any direction. And I thought, this is the perfect first big campaign that to do, because I can really take this in any direction. Right. And I had these huge ideas. I was going to go this direction. I was going to, you know, we, we were going to go, I hope I'm not spoiling anything by naming Imrith as, you know, one of the main bad guys, bad girls on that one. But I had this whole idea of what she was doing in the background and all of that. And I got caught up in the big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, okay, we're leaving the village now. I was like, well, Imrith is mean. <laughs> like, she's horrible. You got to be afraid of Imrith. That's all right. I had in my mind. And so then they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're talking with this, with this villager. Their name is Bob Phone Mixon. <laughs> and, you know, just naming that. And, and so I would get so caught up in those details. And the actual gameplay kind of got away from me because I was so invested in all of that part of it. One way that I'm thinking about this as you're talking, Toby, is this idea of as a as a aspiring game master, you're thinking about painting this beautiful forest, but really your players just want to see a cool tree. Right. And it's two different skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. Like two very different ways of thinking about and processing information. Yeah. You've got to be prepared for whatever they're going to do when they start hacking the heck out of this tree because they think there's gold in there. Exactly. And I don't know how to deal with that if I've got just the huge picture in my mind. Exactly. And I would always argue that being a game master is always 50% knowledge and 50% improvisation based upon what they're going to throw at you. So kind of pivoting into that, what would you say to somebody who is either brand new at game mastering or thinking about it and they're really into the lore, they love the idea around it, what kind of tips would you give them? In a sense, to let it go. You obviously need to have some kind of overarching story and all of that. But at the end of the day, your players simply want to be in a group, to have fun, to engage with each other, to tell a story together. Right. And if your story that you're telling as a DM is, if there's some inconsistencies there, but the players are still having a good time, Mm -hmm. then who cares? Right. Right. And I think that's, I was so invested in having everything perfect. Like, oh, they're going to notice if this NPC has a different accent in the first scene as they do in the 30th scene. They won't even remember that NPC's name 90% of the time. So how do we keep the story going, but at the same time, make it about that session, make it about what the players want? Mm -hmm. Because that's what I see as my goal as a DM is to have fun. Right. Is I obviously want to have fun with it, but I'm as a DM, I feel like I'm there for the players. For sure. And and there were times, and as we'll probably get into here, but there were times that I felt like I was letting my players down, and that really took a toll on me. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to ask you, Toby. So, you know, we're we're talking about the, the main challenges, and I remember as your player, it's four o'clock on Tuesday. It's it's time to play. And you'd message us. You say, Hey gang, sorry, fifteen minutes late. No problem. Hey, gang, sorry, and I need another 15 minutes. 
And then, you know, and we, we sort of slid into that direction where then it started to become, hey, guys, I'm sorry, I'm not able to run the game this week. And so I'm, I'm really interested to hear you talk about, like, what did that feel like? I think you touched on a little bit, but I just really want to know on a personal level, how did it feel? What were you kind of like going through at that moment? For me, it was really about creating the experience for my players. Mm-hmm. And I was shooting in the wrong direction with that. And, you know, the, the Matt Mercer effect has been referred to, right. you know, over and over again. You see Matt Mercer play, and that's how you want to DM. Mm-hmm. And that was my very first exposure to anything D&D was <laughs> with Matt Mercer and all of that. That had to be my campaign. That's what I was going for. I spent an inordinate amount of time and money on soundtracks I could use because when we started playing, it was all, we were just doing it virtually. So I was paying money for maps. I was paying money for the soundtrack because I needed to create this entire huge immersive experience. Right. And if that was my goal, I was letting myself down every time I tried to run a campaign. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't have been the goal. The goal was, hey, you know what? Throw up any stupid map. It can be a map of a, of a forest. They're not going to remember if you've reused this map five times, or they might give you a hard time about it. But the game still goes on. The story right. still goes on. And I was so obsessed with all of those little details, seeing the forest through the trees. And I was so obsessed with all those little things that I forgot to do the part of gaming that is gaming. Right. That is fun. And so every week, I was stressing, you know, every if we play on a Sunday or whatever, the entire first half of my Sunday was me sitting in front of my computer, stressed as anything, completely just not working anything. And then when it came time for gameplay, I didn't have a story lined up. I didn't have mm-hmm. the important stuff lined up. Right. I give them a hell of a soundtrack. <laughs> give them some nice looking maps. Right. But there wasn't the story. And so then I got in my own head mm-hmm. and every week for a while was like, this is a chore. This is something that I have to do now is I have to entertain. I have to entertain. I have to entertain. And I lost the story because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember too, you, I remember one conversation that we had where you kind of tearfully over zoom or however we were speaking, you said, I just feel like I'm letting you guys down. And I remember saying like, Toby, we just care about you. We just want you to have fun. Right. And I don't want this to be so hard on you. This started being an escape for you. And now it's become a thing that you're running from or that you're feeling the pressure over. Yeah. So to me, that was, a, it was kind of a heartbreaking moment because I got you into it. But I think I sort of helped to try to get you out of it. Also by saying, you're forgiven. You don't have to be our dungeon master anymore. I just want you to be okay. And if this isn't the thing for you to be okay, then please don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you bring up the Matt Mercer effect and you talk about these expectations, I think watching Critical Role and digesting it is about as real as watching House Hunters. Like, yeah, maybe there's some improv there. Maybe there's some things they've done. But we all know there's some work that goes on behind the scenes. And the reality is is that most Game Masters have quite a few things they do really well. And some things they don't do as well. Like, And I just wanted to mention, too, most Game Masters also have a full-time job. Exactly. And a family. Right? right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's a lot of times it's amazing that you actually made it to the game. As a player or the or the, the Dungeon Master. Right? right? Like, hey guys, sorry I'm late. I'm here. Let's right. play D&D. Versus, hey guys... I'm here, and I spent 16 hours this week preparing this for you. Exactly. And, you know, same sort of thing of, I will freely admit I'm not great at voices. I could be if I put more time into it. 
but you're going to use some theater of the mind and imagine that I'm an eight-year-old Scottish schoolgirl, and that we're just going to go on that. Like, I don't want to sit here and try and work that out. I want to actually build a coherent story that you're enjoying, because I know that's my strength. Mine's actually kind of the opposite. I'm great at the voices. <laughs> I can do voices all day long. <laughs> Telling you a story, though, to make those voices actually mean something, it's a whole different story. So it's about finding that balance, though. Exactly. And, you know, of course, someone like, you know, Matt Mercer, voice actor, of course they're going to be good at that. Right. But trying to take all of that on, especially as a brand new DM, mm -hmm. that's a lot. I put a lot on myself. That was just really unwarranted, and it it really brought down the gameplay. And ultimately, like we still haven't finished that campaign. I'm not giving right. up on it. I'm not giving up on it. But <laughs> yeah, we still haven't finished it. And I'm sure that that's common. You know, I don't have any data, but I would throw it out there that I would venture to say maybe sixty plus percent of campaigns never finish. Mm. Do, you, do you think it might even be higher? I it might be. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's at least sixty yeah. percent. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's are we having fun? So I I remember that moment of just like letting you off the hook, like, please, please, I implore you, don't do this anymore if it's not fun for you, because it is a game. And I think one of the most heartbreaking, challenging parts of the Dungeon Master's Guide is I have one of the first paragraphs that literally says, this is just a game. And I remember reading that and being like, oh, like the, the clutching my pearls moment, like, how dare you say it? But it actually is. It's actually just a game. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. So, Toby, for somebody who you would understand is in the midst of being a dungeon master, maybe struggling a little bit, either from a mental standpoint or a content standpoint, what would you recommend for them? Yeah, I mean, I think from a mental standpoint is to realize, to, to Brian, to your point earlier, that it's, it is just a game. Mm -hmm. And if you can, you know, the rules and all that, yes, they're there and they're important because you've got to have that aspect to it. But at the same time, it is just a game. The best session I think I ran when we were doing Storm King's Thunder, I think the best session I ran, there was actually zero combat to it all. I was woefully underprepared. All I knew was that they were going to be hanging out in Neverwinter. And so literally, I'm kind of just scrambling as the game's going on. But as a result of that a little bit, there was a ton of role play. And no role play that I had anticipated at all. And it was like three hours of only role play, no combat. Right. For some people, that sounds like hell. For other people, they're loving that. But for me, that was my best session. So that would be, I think, my first piece of advice is combat seems to be the one that everyone goes to. And mm -hmm. it's it doesn't need to be all of that. Right. There can be a lot. Like I get I get my joy in DMing from the role play of it, from doing my stupid voices, from doing and engaging with. And you get to know the characters better that way. Mm -hmm. So. That would be my first piece of advice is don't shy away from if you don't have like the, the, the right combat going with the exact amount of cobalts and whatever other, you know, <laughs> monsters that you're right. fighting. Because oftentimes, you know, you might have this great setup with a Hydra and all of that. And then your player just banishes them to another realm. Mm -hmm. And then you're just sitting there like, well, I guess we're done with that fight then. So things aren't going to, that's, I think that things are not going to go as you expect them to go. Absolutely. Guaranteed. Aaron, in your campaign that I'm playing in right now, I am currently a plush beta fish. <laughs> no one expected that to happen. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and it's, and so it's embraced those moments that just happened spontaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And just one point here that, that I found too is you learn how to be a dungeon master by being a dungeon master, mm -hmm. not by reading about it right. and thinking about it. So you didn't ask me, Aaron, but my advice is just get the starter set 
or a book and just start playing. Right. Yeah. I and then agree. by session three or four, you will start to figure it out. Yeah. And I would I would go the route of not doing a one shot. Get yourself a campaign set that starts at level one and grow together with your players. That's important. Yeah. Go clear some rats out of the basement. Let's start small. And then by level 20, we'll be killing a god. Exactly. And I think about, there's an episode of Futurama where Bender becomes a god and he's floating out in space. And he actually meets actual God, who's like this weird galaxy that talks to him through flashing lights. And he explains to him that when you've done something right, they won't know you've done anything at all. And I think that's what it means to be a DM. If that means you write it and it works, great. If it means you improv through it and it works, also great. Just try and make it work. This is maybe a quasi-therapeutic moment for me. (laughs) But in the other campaign that I played, and maybe it was the one with Toby... I remember at the end of the campaign, things are settling and resolving. The parade's been had, and we're having drinks. And I remember role-playing the the Gundren, the the patron of the whole adventure. Right. And I role-played him really well that time. And then he walked away. And one of my players loudly remarked, that's the first time we've seen any personality from this person. (laughs) And they meant, like, they were angry at Gundren himself, but... That was feedback that I took pretty hard, but I was like, hey, four months later, I'm just now starting to get my feet under me with how to role play an NPC that has actual wants and desires and feelings and faults and all those types of things. Right. But yeah, again, she was pointing that feedback at Gundren, the the person that I was fulfilling, not at Brian, the dungeon master. (laughs) And and to go back to kind of the the, the point of not not anticipating what your players can do or what they're going to do or who they're going to like. My best NPCs that I ever had are the ones who I just kind of – they were either like in the book and I put my own little spin on them or they were just – you know, I had no idea. They were – and they were the hits. Mm-hmm. They were the ones. And so being able to go along with your players, even if you have to bend a rule or two – Who's hey, if we're having fun? Who cares? Exactly right. And you know, a lot of DMs I've spoken with have talked about how they are very much into the rules and the math and all of that. And that's not my style of DMing. Right. And I think a big part of where I struggled was I tried to incorporate all of the good DMs I saw, mm-hmm. not the ones who aligned with how I do, but just like, all right, Matt Mercer's great at, at the math, or right, great at the role playing, and so and so is great at the math, and this and that and that. I tried to bring all that in. My strength is in the storytelling, is in the role playing. And I got caught up in the rules and got caught up in the technical aspect and all of that. And it drove me down. Right. I mean, it's been two years and we still haven't finished this stupid, you know, this, this campaign yet. Well, hopefully this has been a therapeutic conversation because <laughs> it, it actually has been for me. Indeed. Yeah. And I think this is a good stopping point for us. And I would like to say that if you are a dungeon master... There are resources for you, whether it's you're feeling burned out or you want to know more about how to be a good DM. They're out there. And we could even talk with you if you have those. If you are a player, understand that we love you, but also that dungeon masters are hard to find. So try and cherish and work with the people you have with you. Yeah. And also being a DM, as you said, according to God, you could do everything right and your players don't see any of it. Agreed. And one one mistake or one flub, and then suddenly it becomes very apparent. You've sort of like seen behind the curtain, mm-hmm. but all the levers that you're pulling, all the prep that you're doing, all the love and care and attention, 
to the story, but also to your players and their experiences is a, a pretty intense experience, I think, from right. behind the screen. Yeah. So, Toby, do you have any closing words before I sign off? Yeah, absolutely. It's First of all, thank you for having me on. This is fun. Yeah. Special guest star. <laughs> but I, at the end of the day, the goal for both the dungeon master or game master and the players is exactly the same. You're getting together as a group to have fun, maybe drink some, and to tell a story. And you're coming from that from different perspectives, obviously, if you're a DM or you're a player. But I think the, the biggest I don't know, reveal or the, the, the biggest moment, aha moment that I had was that my players are on my side. There's obviously an adversarial relationship between DM and players, necessarily. But when it comes to actually the people involved, we're all here for the same goal. And your players got your back. And I was so focused on impressing my players that I lost focus on playing with them. Mm. And I think that that's what it boils down to, is that you're all there to play a game. And the your plan is probably going to go out the window. It's almost certainly going to go out the window. And to be able to roll with that and not be so hooked on everything that you prepared as a DM. And so going forward, I definitely want to get back into DMing. It's been a minute. But I definitely want to get back into that. And it's going to be a lot of improv. Right. And I'm going to screw up a ton of rules. I'm a new D&D player or, or DM. I'm going to screw up a ton of rules. Oh, yeah. And and then that's and so I think that's my advice is just to get in there and do it. Yeah. You might look like an idiot. You're certainly going to sound like an idiot if you're doing the You voices. will look like an idiot. It's <laughs> part of the fun. <laughs> but just but embrace that and just have fun. And, and I think that that's the most important thing I can say is don't get caught up in all this stuff. There's a ton of YouTube stuff out there that's great material. But if you get bogged down in it, you lose sight of it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope to see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.